0: Hello everyone, welcome back, welcome to the No Shade Just Tea podcast, um, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything. I'm your host, Anna, and thank you for joining me in today's episode, everyone. Um, before we start, as always, let me remind you that you can follow me on Instagram at Shade underscore T, and by clicking the link in my bio, you can subscribe to the free newsletter that is coming out on the 1st of every month and the 15th of every month. I'm going to be discussing many different things like entrepreneurship, I'm going to be talking about my podcast and the guests that I have. So if you're interested, click the link in my bio and subscribe. Now, I just finished editing the conversation that I had with today's guest, Amber, and I'm very, very excited. For everyone to to listen to it but I'm gonna give you a little bit of information about her so you know who she is and what she does and everything like that so Amber is an emotional eating digestive and hormone expert who helps professional women achieve optimal health through mindful eating self-care and overcoming self-sabotage with food her podcast the no sugar coating podcast has over half a million downloads Over 200 episodes and is listened to in over 82 countries. She was featured on TV personality Whitney Port's podcast and she has also appeared on local TV 50 times in the last three years alone. Amber overcame her own emotional eating after gaining and losing more than a thousand pounds and spending over fifty thousand dollars on binge food and spending five years balancing her hormones and digestion now she helps others achieve body freedom so they have the confidence and health to create amazing lives if that's not an amazing introduction i don't know what is to be honest um i talked to her a couple of days ago and We were talking for, I think it was like an hour and it was an amazing conversation. I learned so much and I'm hoping that by listening to this episode, someone that might be going through the same thing can find a safe space to to listen to her story and to give that person a little bit of hope that you're not alone and you have someone there for you that has been through the same thing and also for other people that might be interested in mental health and overcoming addiction and stuff like that, this is the perfect episode for you and I'm very, very excited. So yeah, I think without further ado, this is my conversation with Amber. But hey, this is no shade, just tea. Um, All right. Well, I'm here with Amber. So Amber, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I'm super grateful to be here with you.
0: Um, So let's start giving everyone a little bit of a background story. So if you could tell everyone a little
1: bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, I'll maybe start with a bit of my journey because I just think that that is so resonant for so many people and so many people have been through something similar. Um, so for me, I went through a very unhealthy relationship with food, unhealthy relationship with my body image. I, um, from a very young age, I was about five when I had my first experience that really made me become critical of my body, I guess you could say. And, and I was going on the school bus for the first time and I had gotten on the bus and as immediately after doing so, the older boys on the bus started to call me ugly and started to call me fat. And it really hit deep because I thought they're complete strangers, they don't know me, so it must be true. Um, it just felt embarrassing because then everyone else on the bus started laughing at me. And then I was just like, okay, I guess I don't trust boys and I don't want to have friends that are boys because they're mean. And it really made me very shy. And I really took that identity on of, of what they said to me. And so I really. Spent the majority of my, you know, I think I started dieting when I was 10, um, had a very emotional relationship with food from a young age because food never called me names, food tasted good, it made me feel good. And I think my mom and I always had a very emotional relationship with food as it was a way for her to compensate and give me the food that I also wanted, um, because there's just certain things we weren't able to do together because she um, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before she was born. And so I think just the fatigue and some of the symptoms she would get just probably made her feel bad that we couldn't do certain things. And so her way of compensation was, what do you want to eat? Let's eat this together. Let's go get this food. And so I thought it was just normal to grow up with this abundance of sweets and baked goods and junk food and candy and and going to get fast food whenever we wanted and that kind of thing. Um, And my mom definitely had more of the sweet tooth. And my dad, he was into chips, but it wasn't really for him, like snacking and stuff wasn't really a big deal. So that was definitely a mother-daughter thing. And then you know, dieting all through my teens, um, really just hating my body, always wishing I was thinner. I just always used to wish that because I thought to, when you're thin and you're really pretty, like you're super popular, all the boys want to date you, you have success, you make a lot of money. Like that's what we're taught. I feel like sadly or what we have been. And so for me, I just really had it so deeply ingrained within myself that I'll probably never have all of that because I can't seem to get to that place. And so for me, my food addiction really came full force and hit really hard when I had ended a relationship and, um, got broken up with and it just really hurt at the time it was like the first serious relationship and i just like literally was so upset about it i could barely eat and so then i noticed i started to lose weight really quickly and that secretly made me really excited because i'm like maybe i'll finally lose the weight and so i kept restricting and over exercising like 2 3 hours a day got to my quote unquote goal weight really fast but then realized i'm not happier my life didn't get perfect Nothing's really improving. My period's disappearing. I'm attracting guys who are very superficial and just want to date me because of the way I look. Mm-hmm. I was becoming even more critical of myself. In fact, it didn't get better. It's it was like ooh, maybe I could lose like two more pounds, and ooh, maybe like I can get rid of that like a little bit of extra, you know, skin on my arm. And I still yeah. had that little lower abdominal weight. Like it just, no matter what I did, it wouldn't go away. And it's like I was fighting with that part of me for so long because society's deemed it like if you have a flat stomach, like you're everything. And that's, it's just such BS. It's so not true. And so like I was fighting with my body to have a flat stomach, which like, I'm never going to have that flat. Like I just have this little, but I love it. I embrace it. Like it's a part of who I am and I don't dislike it at all anymore. I love all of me plus that. And I'm like, I'm never going to have that. And that's okay. And I don't need that because I'm healthy. I'm happy. And I love myself now. However, I fought with it so deeply to the point where when I started to binge, which was a couple months after, you know, the, the weight loss, mm-hmm. binging to the point uncontrollably, where I'm, you know, eating multiple food items, like I would eat a whole bag of chips and a whole thing of hummus and like two or three chocolate bars and buy like seven or eight baked goods and a sandwich and a thing of pasta and a whole pint of ice cream, like I would eat so much until I was just so uncomfortably full and in so much pain. Um, I did go through a period of binging and purging for about six months, but realized this is not a healthy way for me to deal with this. I'm not taking responsibility by, you know, getting sick. And so I was like, I need to take ownership for this. And like, if I binge, I need to sit with the discomfort because I did this to myself. And so it was after that for me that the real low point was, you know, finishing a binge one night, being worried for my life and my health. I was just thinking, and I'm 21 at the time still. And I'm thinking, am I going to make it to 30 if I keep this up because I was binging and, you know, over exercising and fighting with my body, like almost every day this was happening. Right. And so I was just concerned for the health issues I was creating for myself because I was now bloated all the time, no matter what I eat, even if I was eating something healthy, like I just had so much pain and discomfort and my weight was up and down 30, 40 pounds every three or four months. Like none of that's good for your, your physical health, let alone what was going on with my emotional health. Right. So after I had done some reading on the negative effects of like, you know, what I was doing to my body and the health implications, I just got really scared. And I thought I have to change this. However, the irony of it is about an hour after my food settling, I thought, well, if I'm going to, you know, figure this out, I'm going to, I want the rest of those cookies and I'd always throw them in the garbage can so that I wouldn't go through it, but I did. I actually, that night was like, I'm going to, I just, if this is the last time that all or nothing mentality, I don't care. I'm going to go eat those cookies. Like that's how addicted to food I was, is that I would go and dig through my garbage and, and I ate the food. And then I just sat on the kitchen floor and I just started to cry. And it's a moment I'll never forget. And it's honestly one of the crappiest moments that I've ever experienced in my entire life, because I just thought, who am I? Like, I know deep down inside of me, I'm not this person. Like, why is this happening to me? Like I'm a happy, loving person. Like I love my family and friends. And like, I have big goals, although I don't really know what they are, but like, it just didn't add up as to why I ended up in this deep, dark place. And, but I needed that moment because it was that moment that made me realize although I'm scared and afraid of the unknown and what this journey is going to look like, and I'm afraid to fail and it's going to be a lot of work. The suffering became something I just couldn't manage anymore handle as my normal or my comfort zone. And so I said, I'm scared. However, I can't suffer like this any longer. Yeah, I need to kick through that fear and like it's like I envision being in the with the whole jungle ahead of me with like my mm-hmm. little machete just being like okay now I got to find my way like and, <laughs> and break my way through this trail right and that's what it felt like in the beginning but I feel like it's so important to acknowledge any fear we have of the unknown or failing and still still go forward anyway because if we let the fear control us everything we want is on the other side of the fear and fear freezes us. And then we stay stuck. And that's why I think for the first year and a half, like I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge wake up call for me. And once I could step through that, I really took the initiative to start reading and researching about food and finding out that, you know, sugar is 10 times more addictive than cocaine and that the casein is the protein in dairy and gluten is the protein in wheat that excite the same part of the brain as heroin. Like it blew my mind to read about this stuff and start going, there's nothing wrong with me. Wow. Like I'm addicted to these foods and they make these foods addictive so that you lose control. Right. Just with, you know, the relationship with food Mm -hmm. that I had. And then I started to read how certain foods were negatively impacting my digestion and why I was so bloated and, you know, what helped with blood sugar and cravings. And so I, um, changed the way that I ate. I did cut out wheat, dairy, and refined sugar partially because I kept losing control with them. And I knew that to gain traction with the binge eating, that, having those out would be helpful. So after dozens of attempts, I didn't just do it the first time. It took me dozens of tries to get there because I kept falling back. But, you know, doing that helped me go to the next level of less binging, but still wanting to binge. But now I wanted to eat 10 bananas in a whole jar of nut butter, or like I'd go to the store and buy like a huge bag of cashews and just sit down and eat them all. Or like I couldn't have Lara bars or macro bars or anything like that in my house. Cause I would just eat them all at once. So yeah. when I realized and this is important because I think so many people just think, I just have to have more control around the food. And that's not the case. It's the emotional part of the journey that then I really discovered,
0: which is kind of like... Did you, did you feel like your addiction to food changed in a way of like, you weren't addicted to like sugary foods or dairy or gluten foods, but then you yeah. became addicted to other kind of food? like Yeah,
1: yeah, or- exactly. Exactly. And the reasoning behind that was partially because the more you eat something, the more sensitive you become to it. You actually crave your food sensitivities. It's called a cerebral allergy. So from the physical standpoint, also though, what I really came to realize on the more emotional part of the journey was I'm, I'm going to keep binging until I figure out emotionally what's fueling me to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really learned. I didn't know how to love myself. I hated my body. I, I was just innocent. I never was taught. We aren't taught I didn't know how to manage stress in a healthy way and I didn't know how to feel my emotions and I was scared to feel like fear or worry or like if I was having a bad day and felt like negative, like I didn't know how to deal with it. And so that's what made me realize, wow, like I have this void that I'm trying to fill with food that never will be filled with food because it's a lack of self-love. And that's really when I embarked on that deeper level of journey, which was starting to identify what was triggering me to eat. And so Mm -hmm. I I, I kept writing it down. And still to this day, the list that I give my clients, I created first myself when I was trying to figure it out. And so the more I could identify what was triggering me, so say, for example, I had a crappy sleep and I was tired. Well, then I knew the next day, aside from going to work, that it was important for me to come home, have dinner, and then go in my room and do self-care because I started making social plans on a day where I was feeling tired. I just would feel more susceptible to fall back in. Or if I felt overwhelmed, you know, meditating or journaling or doing deep breathing or taking a bath, it helped to calm me down and relax me and ground me. And then the urge would start to go away, right? So identifying my triggers and starting to actually bring in a really great self-care practice, which helped emotionally, but also there was like a spiritual aspect of myself that I discovered in my intuition and like that I'm an empath. So it was really cool to see all of this kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I did, so I realized that, you know, wanting to look a certain way and the weight obsession and all of that was no longer who I was and wanted to be. And so I really started to work on catching the negative self-talk and shifting it to positive thoughts and started reading books like Louise L. Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life, which is an amazing book and it's such a great place to start for people mm-hmm. who are wanting to, you know, go on this journey and, and starting to recognize that I just had all this old programming that I needed to spend time on doing and that with time, it would all come together, which it did. It's like all of these things that I did on my journey helped me love myself. It wasn't just one thing. It was doing the physical and changing my eating and being mindful with food and dealing with my emotions and allowing myself to just feel like if I felt sad, it's okay to feel that yeah. and just feel it, you know? So that's you, what really helped.
0: Did you have um the same way you had a the that breaking point when you realized I'm addicted to food? Mm-hmm. Did you have the same kind of breaking point when you realized my the root problem of my addiction is my emotional problems that I haven't dealt with for years? Did you mm-hmm. have that kind of breaking point that made you realize that that was the root of your problem or your addiction? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think really when I realized that was when I had cut out the wheat sugar and the dairy, but I still was binging on those like healthier foods. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized, wow, this is, this is actually not about the food. It's that I'm using food as my crutch. However, my insecurities, my, you know, self-loathing toward myself and my not having the flat stomach and the weight obsession and not feeling good enough. Like that's all emotional. Yeah. And so when I realized that, that's when I really could understand that figuring out how to love myself and cope with life in healthy ways and stress in healthy ways, and that I needed to let go of wanting to be a certain weight, and that I needed to learn how to trust my body and listen to my body, that I think is truly what helped to free me from the addiction, because A, I... Um, overcame the habitual like behavior that I was in by getting upset and then going to food. Like I fully cleared that out of my mind. B, I came up with all these healthy ways to cope. Mm-hmm. Right. And as I did that, I built a mindful relationship with food to use food for physical nourishment, but for no longer a coping tool. Cause there's a big difference. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we, we eat for so many different reasons. However, we're not taught that food is really to physically nourish the body. And yeah, you know what, if there's a celebration, enjoy a mindful indulgence. However, it's not mindful when we're eating on the run, eating, watching TV, eating and multitasking, skipping meals, and then overeating because we're not eating enough. And then going, oh, and now like when I watch TV, I eat a bag of chips or when I watch TV, I eat cake or whatever it is. Like that's no longer mindful. It's mindless. And we're in such a world where there's so much mindlessness instead of mindfulness. So no wonder there's an epidemic of food addictions and emotional eating and then body image self-sabotage because over time, let's face it, for most people that I know and including myself, the more I binge, the more easy it was for my body to gain weight. And then you're frustrated because you're like, oh my God, I'm losing control with my weight right and then you panic and freak out and then you want to diet so it's all mindless the diet's mindless the punishing yourself in the gym because you overate you need to burn off the calories it's mindless and it's self-sabotaging behavior right so Mm -hmm. and mindfulness is so different and it it's happened to me
0: I don't know how many times because I'm that kind of person I feel like I've been on a diet since I was like 12 years
1: old yeah I hear Um, you
0: but I feel a lot of people, including myself, that when people start a diet, they do it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. As in, I sometimes I've done it because I feel like I need to be skinny so that people like me or I feel prettier or boys are going to date me more. Whereas deep down, if you want to lose weight and you want to go on a diet, it's either because you want to be healthier or because you want to feel better about yourself but i feel like a lot of people do it
1: for other people more than themselves yeah for sure and i you know i we i think that so badly we just want to be loved and accepted but what we are forget or what we are not taught is that you have to learn how to love and accept yourself first truly love and acceptance is within you you know gratitude joy peace happiness um you know being there for yourself, like all of these things are within us. However, we're taught to look without us and that you have to find it in someone else or you can pay for it or whatever. And it's like, you can't go to the store and buy self-love. You've got to be willing to do that deeper work. And so I agree with you that so many people try to do this stuff for others. And that was me too. Like, I was like, Oh yeah. Like once I reach that goal weight, then I'll go out on that date with that guy. Cause I'll be good enough. And all the BS that came along with it. And I really believe though, at the end of the day, we don't really need to diet. If we have a healthy relationship with food in our bodies, any form of restriction, it can fuel self-sabotage because let's face it, with any diet, you have to follow it a certain way to attain the result and that's perfection and perfection is unhealthy. So what's so powerful when you're working toward building a healthy relationship with food, and this is something I work with my clients on every day, is let's ditch the restriction, ditch the diets, undo the old diet programming and the food fears that can come up because certain diets like keto, for example, you know, it tells you, you have to restrict and cut a lot of carbs. And then all of a sudden people are afraid to eat a carrot or an apple, even though those are happy, you know, healthy, nutritious foods. um, But because it's bad on that diet, now you associate it as bad. So we have to work on undoing all of that. And what's great is you can have the best of both worlds. To me, ultimately a healthy relationship with food is that you want to nourish your body with really great foods that give you energy and that you digest and you absorb your nutrients and you get your vitamins and your minerals and all of the great things that you get from them. And also you can mindfully indulge, which means, you know, say, you know, it's the weekend coming up and you are going You know, for a dinner, and you decide I'm going to enjoy an item I don't normally have, or I'm going to order dessert, right? And I'm going to enjoy it, the flavors, and I'm going to enjoy it mindfully and slowly, and then move on.
0: Yeah. Cause I also feel like when, when people go on diets and then you fall off track a little bit, is that feeling of being guilty? That guilt, it just eats you up. Yeah. And it does. Like I remember, one time I went on a diet and I lost a bunch of weight and again I thought if I'm skinny if I lose a bunch of weight I'm just going to be happier that absolutely not true Mm -hmm. made me miserable because like it happened to you I was like nitpicking everything Um, and I remember I became so obsessed with the things that I couldn't eat Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: one made me crave those things even more yeah and two made me so obsessed about everything that it came to the point that i would eat grilled chicken but i would use lemon juice instead of olive oil Mm. because lemon juice has less calories yeah not healthy whatsoever but is that obsession and thinking if i eat more calories the guilt is just i'm just gonna feel terrible
1: yeah yeah the guilt is a very self-sabotaging emotion with anything it's really hard on our health I really believe we can also store different emotions in the body, and over time, if we don't address those and get them out, it can contribute to health issues. But the guilt is so strong because, again, our the ultimate goal of of someone who's trying to find their happiness outside of them with their image, um, you know, they'll never fulfill that because you can only nothing external will fill the void essentially. But again, when you have guilt, what's below guilt? Fear maybe some anger, frustration. Um, and then usually then what happens is when you have the guilt and then it turns into the fear, the worry, the guilt, the frustration, the, the panic can kick in. and You're know, like, oh my God, I can't gain weight. I don't want to gain weight. And from that place of panic and then the desperation kicks in because, oh my God, I just, I can't stand to continue to not feel good enough. I'm desperate. I will do anything to lose that weight or keep it off. So it's when we get into that desperation energy that we've completely given our power away. And when we do that, That's when we're pulling out the credit card, going on Google and going fastest ways to lose weight. And we are like literally paying and signing up for the first thing we see. We don't read the fine print. We don't read about how restrictive it is or how detrimental it can be for our health. We just want the quick fix and buy like the end of the month or next week. I need to be down 10, 30 pounds, whatever it promises, even though it's dangerous, it's not healthy. It's not good for us. It's not attainable. And like all the, the success stories are probably most of them are fake, and or the people who probably had the success have probably gained the weight back and then some. But you're not, you never see that. Like, oh, this person did this, and now they're like completely failing and have gained all the yeah. weight plus ten pounds. You know what I mean? Like, not to say that people don't have success, but I just don't think diets work. But that's the desperation energy that that guilt moves us into. And then when you're guilt or you're desperate, you're vulnerable, and that's when these diet companies know how to feed off the vulnerable and the powerless. And that's why it's a multi-trillion-dollar industry. For you sure. know
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you think like the addiction of food and everything related to that, and everything that comes with that, do you think it's a kind of a rooted, rooted problem in society, like it's mm-hmm. just engraved in society, and everything that we see, we have like these standards of what everyone should look like, and I think especially women, we have more pressure as in you need to look like this." You yeah. even like your hair needs needs to look like this, you need to be tan, you need to be skinny, social mm-hmm. media I think plays a huge part yeah. in all of that. Do you think that's kind of the first
1: step in the problem like it's it's there for everyone i think yeah there's there's two things, so that's a huge piece, and we've been being conditioned for years and we don't we don't even realize it like I've had a huge eye opener awakening over the last few weeks of just how deep it goes um TV, magazines, Photoshopping in magazines, in social media, they can like Photoshop people in videos now, like it's insane, right? So celebrities, like I know we're seeing more of a positive body image movement, but let's face it, the majority of celebrities, models, right? Like all that industry, it's like, how is that? what we are, you know, being taught that those are our idols. Those are the people we look up to. They're inspiring. And I'm just thinking, well, yeah, when I was little and I listened to Britney Spears, I wanted to look like her. And when the magazine came out that had the Britney Spears diet, like I wanted to try it so bad because I thought that I would end up looking like her. So the, that all plays a huge role. And yes, now with social media, cause we're on our phones all the time and that's what they want, right? They want you to be glued to Instagram and look at a picture, compare yourself, get upset and go to the store and buy ice cream and sabotage and get, then get frustrated and go do the diet. The more we are, we are and stay disconnected from ourselves and give our power away, the more desperate we are. And then we spend money on things that aren't going to work and we make the big companies a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. The other part of this aside from that, like media, social media conditioning and all that is our upbringing. I think that plays a huge role. So, and it's not to blame our parents or those around us who are close to us. However, if say your mom is insecure with her body if she's a chronic dieter if she makes comments about her body that she doesn't like herself or perhaps unfortunately maybe she's telling you oh you need to lose a few pounds you shouldn't eat that that's going to make you fat oh you've gained some weight we're going to put you on a diet like when you're a small child and you're taking on that programming between age zero to seven is when we take on all of our programming and patterning and habits and the majority of what we believe in. And so sadly, unfortunately, if if your parent is innocently doing all and saying all that about themselves and then potentially criticizing you, that has a significant impact on the relationship you're going to have with your body, with food with diet culture. And you're likely, unless you can understand that that's not a healthy relationship and it's unfortunate that your parents didn't do their work. They don't know what they don't know. However, once they pass it on, unless you realize it and work through it, it will probably, unfortunately, yeah, it'll just continue to be this vicious cycle. You have no idea how many clients I've had who come to me and say, you know, I've had this from when I was young. Like my mom put me on a diet when I was five. And like, it's like, just haunted me ever since and I've been fighting with my body for 40 50 60 years like that's significant so those two things are huge and or maybe it was like me my parents never like did said anything negative about my weight which I'm so grateful for mm-hmm. however my mom would always like put her body down and say how much she hated her body and that she wanted to lose weight and then that bully experience on the bus so i find if you know kids get bullied like that also can have a significant impact yeah. on how they grow up in the way that they perceive their bodies. Because I think
0: people forget how powerful words are.
1: Oh my gosh, yes.
0: And it doesn't matter if it comes from a friend, a family member, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, yeah. a stranger on the street. Words are very powerful. And some something that someone says, even if it's a stranger, it, it gets in your head and it never leaves. Yeah. ever because even you now you still remember that
1: experience you had when you were five yeah here's something so powerful though that we can shift so I will always remember the experience however it's no longer who I am and I don't let it define me anymore I've done a lot of very deep mindset work to shift things out of my subconscious limiting beliefs limiting thoughts negative thoughts and also done a lot of really powerful Um, For me, energy work is important. And so I've done a lot of very powerful energy work that's helped me also completely neutralize. So I feel no negative emotions about any of that anymore. I've worked through it. I've released it. I have compassion for them and me. However, now when I think about it, I'm neutral. I no longer get really upset about it. And so I think what's so powerful is that no matter what we've been through, when we're ready to do the deeper work, we can release those old thoughts and beliefs. We can release that old identity and do the work we need to do on our own or to get support, to help us get to this place of neutrality, compassion, and forgiveness. And from there, you can create a new identity, which is I am powerful. I am confident. I am loving, compassionate, you know, unstoppable, abundant, like whatever those things are. And you can do that from this place of of humbleness and kindness because it's not arrogance. Confidence and arrogance are very different. Yeah. But what's so beautiful about that is then you help to inspire other people. And you don't have to fully be there to inspire other people, but it's like, you know, when someone's like walking down the street and they're just happy and they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good, you wanna be around them because their energy is good versus if there's another person who's like snickering and they have an angry look on your face, yes. like, oh, I don't wanna be near them. That's energy, right? That's emotion. So yeah. that's where. I think one of the other biggest kind of like downfalls of society is we're really taught to be pushed to believe we're not good enough. Cause what that's really, what's at the core of all of this for everyone. I don't, it doesn't matter to me what kind of self-sabotage you're in, whether it's alcohol, you're a gambler, your food, whatever it is mm-hmm. at the core of who you are, are you, you you've been believed to thought that you're not good enough, even though you are. Yeah. So when we don't feel good enough, that's when we become Try to be a perfectionist or a people pleaser or overachiever. Um, And then we end up giving everything to everyone else to try and prove that we're good enough. Yet we deplete ourselves so much and it's so overwhelming that that's when we create self sabotaging behaviors. So that's why we have to work on building self worth to feel good enough, worthy, and secure. Because when you do, it doesn't matter what anyone says or whatever you see on TV or social media, you no longer compare yourself or react to their comment. And instead, what happens is you observe that person and go, I wonder what's going on for them as to why they had to be so critical of me or judgmental. Like for yeah. example, I, with my podcast, like I love, I usually get like really positive reviews and then the odd time I'll get something really negative and this person left one a, a little while ago and they were like, she says again too much, and I don't like the way she says eczema. And there was another word that she's just like, ah, oh, it just drives me crazy and like your information's good, but I just wish you wouldn't say these words this way and wouldn't say them as much or whatever. And so I always lovingly address those kinds of comments on the mm-hmm. podcast because it's important for me to speak my truth and stand up for myself and also lovingly call them out. And so me 10 years ago would have freaked out and gotten so upset about it and I would have lost sleep over it and taken it very personally because I was insecure and I didn't feel good enough. Yeah. However, now I read the comment and I just have so much compassion for that person because what they shared has nothing to do with me other than, oh, great, I'll work on trying to not say again as much. However, the way that I say eczema or the way that I speak is the way that I speak. If at the end of the day it bothers you that much, just don't listen to my podcast because I'm here to share very powerful messages and hold that space for the people who want that change. And if you're going to be that way, I don't need you in the space. And, for sure. or, you know, if I've triggered you by something I've said, that's your stuff, it's not my stuff. So yeah. are you willing to look within and see where that, that self judgment's coming from? That's the power of being in your power. You can have compassion for the person who's trying to project on you and know it's got nothing to do with you. And that keeps you in your power. And you can also like, you know, from afar, send them some love and compassion instead of freak out and get mad at them yeah. and like create more conflict. We don't need more of that in the world. We need more love and peace. For
0: sure. And do you feel like um, for people that receive negative comments or they have these negative thoughts about themselves, not that it's easier, but they continue to deal with those comments and those thoughts instead of doing the inner work and trying to shift that mindset into a more positive one, because for them is easier to just take Mm -hmm. it and deal with it than to do that deep inner work, to, tr- yeah. to try and find out what is triggering all of those thoughts and and yeah. self talk and everything like that, than to just deal with it and yeah. do the work. So for them, it's like easier. I'm just gonna take whatever this person is saying and I'm just gonna feel like crap for a couple of days. Yeah, and then I'll go back and then until someone else says something or I feel like crap again, instead of just putting in the work the hard work because like you said before
1: fear and worry kicks in yeah well and for a lot of people to be honest and I used to be no different it's comfortable to stay in your stuff it's it's comfortable to not take responsibility and blame other people it's this person's fault like I used to blame everyone else for when I would be triggered to eat like it's that person's fault they were mean to me today or like it's that person's, and it's like, it was no one else's fault but my own. But when we're in that victim mode, which I Mm -hmm. totally was in when I struggled with it, you don't want to take responsibility because that means you have to own your stuff. You want to blame it on everyone else because you're not ready to take responsibility. And that's what happens when people are projecting or leaving negative comments or on social media, wherever it is, they're projecting because they're so upset with who they are and they thrive off of the negativity and the drama. And I think it's so important to recognize when we get into that state and be willing to start to do our Mm -hmm. deeper work because you projecting on others is so not fair to others because it's not your stuff an example would be like I had a client and she wanted to overcome emotional eating and so she went home for Christmas to visit her family and this was about a year and a half ago now and her family kept criticizing her because she was um, choosing to eat certain things and not eat certain things. And they're like, what diet are you on now? Why are you not eating that? What's wrong with you? And they were all projecting on her because they were all fighting with their own relationships with food, but they weren't ready to admit it or do the work. And she was right. And so that's where in those kinds of scenarios, sometimes we have to speak up and set boundaries and go, you know what? I totally respect that you're at where you're at with your relationship with food. However, I'm working on it And please don't make any more comments. I just, if you're going to just say negative things, don't say anything at all. Otherwise, you know what? I might have to like leave the room and just go beyond my own for a while because I'm just not going to tolerate it. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. Boundaries are important. Mm -hmm. Because I feel also people in general,
0: they're going to make a comment no matter what. As in, if I'm eating a lot, you're going to make a comment because I'm eating a lot. If I decide not to eat certain things, then you're going to make a comment because I'm not eating certain things or I'm Mm -hmm. not eating enough. So it's like, how do I win? People are going to say things no matter what. Mm -hmm. And even if it's your family, that's happened to me. Like, I've stuffed my face with food in front of my family when it's Christmas. And they're like, whoa, you're eating too much. And then maybe next day at breakfast, I might have a coffee and that's it. Mm -hmm. Because one, I don't want to hear any more comments, but then. I hear someone say, is that everything you're going to eat for breakfast? Like, what's up?
1: It's like, well, then what do you want me to do? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, there's a lot of judgment. But what we have to remember is we're still in a society. I think it's slowly starting to shift, but there's still a lot of people that need to do their work, right? And until they do, judgment will be there. Deflection will be there. um, Projection will be there because they think it's normal to to share those opinions and share those judgments because that's what they're thinking about themselves. Right. And so we have to have compassion for them because they just don't know, will they work on it in this lifetime? Maybe, maybe not. It's up to them if they're ready and willing to do that deeper work because it is uncomfortable and it's the most fulfilling thing, but you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone to build a healthy relationship with food in your body and work on your mindset and go to the unfamiliar. Um, And a lot of people just. They just continually talk them out of out, themselves out of it or they just think it's going to be too much work or whatever the reasons and excuses are, but then they stay stuck and they don't live the full life that they want to live because yeah. you are held back when your ego, your self-sabotaging mindset, that critical mindset is running you instead of you being in your power. And that's, to me, that's not any way to live. I want to be in my power, right? Like, yeah, yeah your ego takes over here and there, but now I know what that is and I can catch it, mm-hmm. Right that's freedom. That's everything.
0: Yeah. That's freedom. That's power. That's yes. self-worth. That's everything. That's self-love, yeah. everything. Yeah. And you mentioned before when we were talking about social media and everything, you mentioned um, body positivity and inclusion and stuff like that. And I'm interested interested to know your point of view in the sense of all these movement that is going around body positivity and being inclusive and include all sizes, colors, types of of women, essentially. Do you feel that that's a double-edged sword that's dangerous as well, promoting maybe certain habits that are not healthy, but just because we're in this era of body positivity, everything is welcome, but maybe that's, not the right thing or that's not the best thing for people out there to see
1: yeah and so I think there's a couple answers that question I think we need to be inclusive of everybody we need to love and accept people at all sizes colors, shapes ethnicities like we are all one like we're all human and we're all here on this earth together and we do need to build that love and end the judgment Mm -hmm. where I I think and this is a fine line so I'll say it with love It's not okay to normalize emotional eating. It's not okay to normalize binge eating. It's not okay to go, oh yeah, whatever. Just keep gaining weight and self-sabotaging because it is self-sabotage and it has a negative impact on your health. Like I had to spend five years balancing my hormones and digestion. Like it had a significant negative impact on my health. Every single client that comes to work with me that struggles with binge eating, you know, Usually there's a weight issue as well, um, whether it's actually serious or not, because people go, oh, I want to lose five pounds or 50 pounds or a hundred, whatever it is. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter the number, um, but it's to also look at how the self-sabotage with food and the weight obsession is negatively impacting our physical state of health and our mental health. So... I think it's important that we love and accept ourselves at whatever size we are. However, we also have to understand that if you are continually gaining weight and putting on protection, I really believe that's what it is. We're, our bodies put on protection when they don't feel safe. So if you're constantly gaining weight, I think it's important to have love and compassion and be accepting. However, What if your body's putting on the protection because she's trying to communicate with you, hey, your hormones are way out of whack. And like, this is my way of really showing you and getting your attention. So yes, please love me and, and, and feel safe living in me. But I think it's time for you to investigate like what's going on. And that happened to me, like after I finished binging, I gained sixty pounds in like three or four months again, even though I wasn't binging, but it's because I destroyed my hormones through you know the binge eating and the dieting. And so, what the weight gain taught me was I actually did learn to love and accept myself at that peak again when I was my heaviest. Just I was just as heavy as I was in the peak of my food addiction. But I thought I love and accept myself here, and I'm not going to fight with my body. And I got bigger clothes. I'm like, this is where I need to be. I fully love and accept her but something doesn't feel right. I'm exhausted. Why did I gain all this weight if I'm not binging? Mm -hmm. Right. My cycle's weird. Like there was, there was stuff going on and it just didn't feel right. And so if you're at a weight and you're going, I'm loving myself, but my body doesn't feel right. I don't feel healthy. I don't have good energy. I don't have good mental clarity. My, I've got horrible PMS symptoms. My cycle's all over. You know, you can't get pregnant. You know, you're sleeping poorly. You have lots of cravings, blood sugar, or you're being put on medications. And like that's a decline in your health. And that's when we need to pay attention to all of our body's cues, including the putting on protection and go, what may be going on? Because then I discovered my cortisol, which is the stress hormone, was way too high. My progesterone then started to get too low. And then my estrogen went way too high. So essentially when your cortisol gets really high, you need to steal other hormones to convert into cortisol so that your body keeps producing that high of a level. So for women, the first thing that will go is progesterone or thyroid hormone or both. My thyroid was shot better now though my progesterone was too low and then when your progesterone gets too low your estrogen has no choice but to dominate and go up and so I had very unhealthy levels of estrogen in my body which long term that can increase your risk of estrogen dominating cancers and all sorts of things like so why wouldn't you want to you know use those cues and go there's stuff going on here and that's actually why I gained all the weight was because of the estrogen dominance and the thyroid and the high cortisol Mm -hmm. so for me while I'm learning to love and accept myself this, at this weight where I'm hanging on to a lot of protection, the protection bought me and spoke to me and said, you got all these hormone things going on that you need to figure out. And that's why we're putting on this protection because oh my goodness, we don't feel safe. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with body positivity. I think it's so important that we love and accept ourselves at any size, color, race, all of that. Also though, I don't think that it's normal for our bodies to continually just keep putting on weight Yeah, if there isn't either a mental, emotional trauma issue, struggle going on, emotional eating, or some form of physical health issue. And we all want to be here for a long time. We need to take care of our health, though. And, exactly. and sometimes that does include exploring why we're hanging on to weight. And sometimes you know, I really believe when our bodies are in a state of balance, we let go of the protection. Like once I figured the hormone piece out and quit the gym and just rested and did self-care and really just focused on nurturing my body, like it just melted off. I didn't have to do anything. I don't think we should have to do anything crazy to lose weight. I think it's about loving ourselves and feeling safe in our bodies and going on a different kind of journey Mm -hmm. with your hormone health and overcoming emotional eating and things like that. We all have a natural set point and wherever that person decides to be, that's totally up to them. But I think the weight gain can become a symptom that's important for us to pay attention to. And I know everyone's going to take that differently. Like I said, I'm all for love and acceptance. However, we got to pay attention to it. And our body's just trying to communicate with us.
0: For sure. Because I feel like for a lot of people, whenever they gain weight, they think that diet and exercise is the only thing that they can do to lose the weight. When sometimes, yeah that might help you but there might be other problems like you said your hormones um, especially I'm guessing women we have yeah. hormones all over the place all yeah. the time so not going like not taking everything as in this is the only solution for me yes. is, is to diet and go to the gym because then that can go into another path which is obsession when yeah. you don't see results and you beca- you become more and more obsessed and you're like if I'm working out three times a week and he's not doing anything for me, then
1: I need to work out six times a week. And it just, yeah. then it's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because now your ultimate goal is weight loss because you're not happy with your body. And now you're fighting with your body and you're using the diet and the exercises, the forms of self-sabotage to punish your body because she's not the weight you want her to be. And that's where we need to understand that there's way more potential like, blocks and and you know health imbalances and mindset things that could be going on that are potentially contributing to you not feeling safe and putting on protection um and you know your mindset and what you've been through in your life and so it's to go you know what if i've been trying this diet and exercise thing and it's not working that's probably because there's so many other things that you actually need Mm -hmm. to explore instead in the diet and exercise mentality i'm all for mindful movement but if we're distracting ourselves with that kind of fight We'll never understand what's really going on. We've got to be willing to break free from the diet culture and that self-sabotage and go, there's all these other potential things that could be going on. Am I willing and open to explore that? And if I have no idea where to start, then get help, like get support with it. Yeah. Because ultimately at the end of the day, when you break free from that and you can, you know, come over here and, and build this freedom and and you know have all, all these really great things happen because you're now at peace with your body, you you live a fuller life. You attract healthy relationships. You attract amazing things. Like if it wasn't for me going through my food addiction and healing, like I wouldn't have my business. I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. I wouldn't have my amazing loving boyfriend that I have and abundance and like this whole life transformation. Like I have no idea where I'd be, or even if I'd still be here. And it's like, it's such a gift. I know it sucks to struggle and it sucks to suffer and it's not fun at the time. However, we have an opportunity to either keep going down the same path and keep suffering more and end up, you know, not well and not Mm -hmm. happy. And then at the end of your life, like I always say, what would your 90 year old self want to look back and say? Like, oh, I'm glad I dealt with that and overcame it. And I'm glad I finally learned how to love my body or regret. I regret not doing anything about this. I regret fighting with my body for my whole life. I don't want anyone to regret that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's really
0: interesting to see how you can be your worst enemy, but you can be the person that loves yourself the most.
1: Yes. you, you, know? and you like, have to be.
0: Yeah. It's like black and white. It's either I love myself to the fullest and I'm like super happy with everything going on in my life, or I'm going to be my own worst enemy and I'm going to be negative about myself. I'm going to yeah. sabotage anything good that comes my way. Yeah. Cause that's another thing is like when you get into that comfortable I mean comfortable not really but that position of like I'm just used to having these negative thoughts and I'm not going to deal with them so then anything good that comes
1: your way you're just going to push it away because you're not it's used true. to it it's true and you don't feel good enough like you're worthy or you could create a lot more conflict because you're more reactionary and more negative that's so true and I think what's so important is There's the two spectrums. Like there's the self love and the self hate. But the beauty is, in order to get to the self love, you have to go through self hate, a little bit less of it, a little bit less of it. Oh, yeah. Now, wow, it actually feels possible that one day I could love myself. And then you're like, wow, okay, maybe I like myself a little bit sometimes. And then it comes to a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, oh, maybe I do love myself a little bit and a little bit. So it's like, it's a, it's a big spectrum that you go back and forth from, but ultimately when you do the deeper work, you do get to that self-love and you ultimately are there. And yes, you have moments where your ego takes over and you can, you know, be like, oh, I could have done that better. Or, or you get a bit hard on mm-hmm. yourself, but when you can catch the ego and kick it to, back to the curb and like get back into your power, but also learn from the ego, yeah. like you have the best of all the worlds because you realize you're human, you're never going to be perfect, but that's okay.
0: Yeah. You know and I it's. Mean? And it's also like when you feel good about yourself and you start to feel happier, then you yeah. attract the same thing. Yeah. Like you attract positivity. You attract the good people in your life because like before there's been times that I've been like super happy yeah. and there was one day I remember. Um, so I just broke up with my ex-boyfriend. Crappy time, not fun. And then after a couple of months, there was one day that I went to work and it just, I think it was the first day that I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm actually happy today. Good. Yeah. And I showed up to work and I was talking to one of my friends and she looked at me and went, have you done something? I'm like, what do you mean? Like cut my hair or something? And she was like, no, just, you just look different. You just, you're like a different person. I'm like, well, I'm happy yeah and it's so interesting to see how people react when you're happy when you're not oh
1: totally and what energy you have around you when you're happy and when you're not yeah it's completely different it's completely different um but that's what comes when you do this work you and you create this inner happiness for yourself because truly it's within you like you said you attract other people things situations that are in alignment with that energy and energy doesn't lie. Like if you go more spiritual and you talk about the more energetic spiritual Mm -hmm. realm of this, like energy is everything. And it's not that we always have to be happy or in the perfect energy, but when you, when you are that you surround yourself with all these good things, life just does improve and we all deserve it. It's not just certain people. We all deserve to be happy and have good things happen and love ourselves. So yeah,
0: absolutely. And What, like to to finish off, what would you, what would be your advice to someone that might be going through this or that by listening to this, they're realizing I might actually have a problem with food. What would you tell that person?
1: You're not alone. First of all, don't be ashamed or embarrassed about what's going on for you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's a very, there's a lot of layers to this journey. Um, you know, and then I would say, start to, you know, grab a journal or start to write down like, and explore what you feel like when you do get triggered to eat, like what's happening for you. Is it when you're tired or you're dehydrated or when you've had a bad day or certain foods just tempt you really easily starting to understand first, what triggers you. And also then this is the other piece looking at your schedule and being willing to start to dedicate time to do this work. Yeah. Cause when we're overbooked, when we don't take time, not a lot's going to change. So can you start spending, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day exploring a trigger, or if you're not triggered that day, do some meditation, do some journaling, start writing about, you know, How you want to feel in your body, the positive thoughts you want to think more often. You know, when you see yourself, how do you want to feel about yourself? Do you want to feel excited and safe and happy? Like, start focusing more on what you want versus what you don't want because we spend too much time focusing on what we don't want. So, that's a great exercise that people can start to get into is that positive focus and starting to explore your triggers. And if you really have been struggling for a long time, like I do, I encourage you to reach out and get support from whomever and whatever is resonant for you because it's such an intricate journey and there's so many layers and oftentimes we do need that help. And I know I personally didn't get help. I went to a psychologist once and had a very horrible experience and felt very judged. Um, I know they're not all like that, but if you've had a poor experience, try again. Mm-hmm. Some people are meant to heal on their own and some aren't, but for you, if you're just feeling like, I don't know where to start, I, there's so much going on here, get support. Honestly, it could change your life.
0: Yeah. I think that's very, very important. Well, thank you so, so much. I've learned a lot of things Yay. with this conversation. So that's actually made
1: me think about stuff of my own, being like, all right, maybe I need to do some work as well. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. And thank you so much for having me today. It's been a pleasure to share with you.
0: Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time. It uh, means a lot. And I hope everyone learned something as well and as you said if you're going through this you're not alone and get some support of some sort yeah because that's going to help you so thank you so much thank you well guys uh that was powerful that was amazing i hope everyone learned something from this episode it's i think it's by far my favorite episode that i've recorded so far she is an amazing person she was so nice to talk to and if you want to know more about her you can follow her on instagram at amber romaniuk Um, and you can learn more about what she does and she gives a lot of tips on her instagram and don't forget to listen to her podcast the no sugar coating podcast which is amazing as well And I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and I hope you took something from it just like I did. And again, before I leave, don't forget that you can follow me on Instagram at NoShade underscore T. And you can subscribe to the newsletter that comes out on the 1st and the 15th of every month. And I think that's all for today. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. And remember, this is No Shade. Just tea.